Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles, thank you, Ty. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. In our last big series, which was our, uh, it was called To Be Continued, as we took a biblical look at end times. We did not do a study on Revelation, okay? We did a study on end times because the end times is talked about throughout the Bible. But in the same manner, we are going to now take a literal look at the beginning of time. And it is not just in Genesis. As a matter of fact, there's just as much said about creation all through the Bible as the first 12 chapters of Genesis. Okay. Um, we are going to, uh, you know, and, and for example, when you're thinking, well, what is that? I mean, John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? So, I mean, the, the beginning is talked about throughout the Bible, and we're going to do a study on creation and the beginning. We are not going to just stick in Genesis, okay? And listen, th there's going to be a lot of people in here that uh, are, have a science background or something like that. I am going to be unapologetically biblical, okay? Because if, if Jesus, if the word of God says that God created the heavens and the earth on day one, and it took a day, then you're gonna have to prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God meant something else more besides that. I don't have to prove to you that God means a day. You got to prove to me that God doesn't mean a day when he said a day, because I figured if God meant something else, he could have said something else, right? So I hope to accomplish three things by the end of this series. I hope, and I, and I, I put this in here because of Mitch, um, because whenever we were talking about this on Thursday, he came up with this and, and he said that learning about creation doesn't change our faith, it solidifies it, okay? So that is one of the things that I hope to accomplish with this series is that, um, is that when we learn what the Bible says and that we can see that it's true, because it says God created man and I can see a bunch of people. Right, so I know it's true. When we learn that what we can see and touch, that we learn to trust God that that's real, then when the physical things that we can see is easier to understand and believe that that's what God said, the invisible things are a little bit more easy. So I hope by the end of this series that, that this just kind of cements your faith a little more, makes it a little more solid. And the second thing that I hope to accomplish is that we learn to trust in God's plan more by realizing what has happened in the past, that God was in control in the Garden of Eden, and he's still in control on March 12th, 2023. I nearly said like 1990. <laughs> Way back in the late 1900s. Told y'all I was gonna do that once a, once a Sunday till it's, 
till it's done. And, and then the third thing that I hope to accomplish, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do a lot of other stuff, but one, the last thing that I hope to accomplish is to whet your appetite for God's word, okay? I hope to whet your appetite. I hope that if you didn't bring your Bible, that you'll be like, what? And you'll go home and look at some of this stuff, okay? So take out your pens, your phones, make some notes, whatever. So what we're gonna do here is we're gonna start in Genesis 1-1 and I'm just gonna long trot through the first seven days, if that's okay with you. We are not gonna sit here and just talk. We're gonna leave the Bible study to talking about specifics, okay? I've got four days to go from creation to the Tower of Babel, okay? And that is not a very long time. So a trot, a long trot through the first seven days of creation. Let's go. On day one, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And he also said, let there be light. So on day one, on day one, he created the heavens and the earth, right? And the earth right now is a ball of Play-Doh or something like that, right? Doesn't have anything on it. And, and then it said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the dark, okay? And he said that it was good, right? Day two, he creates, and, and, and there's some stuff about day one that we'll get back to in a little while. Uh, day two, he creates the sky. And it said, let there be a firmament between the waters, okay? Now we're gonna talk about more about this really in depth in the Bible study, but in a minute we'll, we'll come back to what this means of creating a firmament between the waters. We'll, we'll do that. In other words, he creates the sky, okay? In day three, he creates dry land and all plant life, okay? Day three, he creates dry land and all plant life. So let, let's, let's be sure because this is really important, okay? Heavens and the earth, let there be light, separates the light from the dark. Day two, he creates the sky, right? A firmament between the waters. Day three, he creates dry land and all plant life, okay? And then on day four, he creates the sun, moon, and stars. What? Wait a minute. Wasn't there already light? How can there be plants without the sun, moon, and stars? We're gonna get into all of that, okay? Heavens and earth separate light from dark, creates a sky, dry land, plant life, sun, moon, and stars, day four, birds and fish. On day five, birds and fish. And then on day six, the Bible says, that God created all the animals on the land, okay? And then he made his crowning achievement. He took the dust of the earth, formed it into a man, and gave it the breath of God and brought this man to life. And then the first thing that happened after that, it's the first time in all of creation that God said it was not good. And it was not good for man to be alone. So he took a rib out of Adam, made him fall into deep sleep, took a, a, a rib out of him and made a female and brought her to life. And Adam says, oh yeah, 
Finally, there she is right there. What a, a helper for me, a companion for me, right? And then on day seven, we all know what happens and God rested. God rested. So here's some, and most of you have heard a version of that. Hopefully you've read that before, but let's, let's do some interesting things to note about the seven days of creation. I've already kind of alluded to some of them, and that is let there be light in day one. Didn't have anything to do with the sun or stars because that's on day four. Listen, when God says let there be light, that just means that there's, there's light. He doesn't need an outside source. Think about this right here, okay? When Moses came down from the mountain, okay? When Moses came down from the mountain from merely talking to a burning bush, his face light came from his face. The kind of glory of God was still on Moses whenever he came down from the mountain. He had to cover his face because of the light coming from him. Like, hey, dude, you need some powder on that, man. Right? That was funny. See, Don, it didn't work. It didn't work, Don. So anyway, in, and even in Revelation, what we learned about in our end times Bible study, okay? Revelations 22, 5 says this, and night will be no more. They will need, this is talking about heaven, they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I mean, I don't really know what happened. I wasn't there. But I know on day one, God said, let there be light. And there was. And it wasn't until day four that he created the sun and the stars. So that light came from him. He's the originator of everything anyway. He made the sun. He don't need it. Some interesting things to note. In day two, let's talk about day two for a second. In day two, the sky is between the waters, a firmament between the waters. Now, what this means is that there is evidence, and I'll get to the evidence, there is evidence that during the creation time, before the flood, that there was basically a covering of ice around the earth. Now, don't think, don't think that that sounds crazy because it's not, because that's what Saturn's moons are made up of is eyes or Saturn's rings, not moons. You know, so there was this ring of, of water vapor or something kind of like the atmosphere. Okay. But it also did two things. Okay. It created a, what's the word? I'm gonna have to get Sonny up here to do science for me. It created a higher pressure okay, on the earth, okay, and it also, back then, the uh, oxygen was different, okay, they have taken amber, which is petrified tree sap, and there's air pockets, and they have gone in there and extracted those air pockets out of it, and oxygen level back then was closer to 35% than the close, than the 20, what, 21% that we breathe now, and this is important because of this. 
Experiments were conducted by the late Dr. K.I. Mori in Tokyo, and Dr. Mori raised tomato plants as an experiment under special light that filtered out IR and UV radiation. What the ice would have done. This, you know, because on day two, or day, yeah, day two, he put a firmament, air, sky, between the waters. The waters on the earth and the waters above the earth, okay? So, under piped sunlight and controlled atmosphere of higher pressure carbon dioxide, because if, if there's more oxygen, there's more carbon dioxide, right? Here's the result of that. Filtered out science experiment, and in six months that tomato plant grew to over 30 feet and yielded more than 13,000 ripe tomatoes in six months. That's what the earth was like during creation, okay? That's how everything grew to be so big and, you know, all these great big giant trees and all of this other stuff. This, you know, the atmosphere was different. The flood changed all that. We'll get to that in week three. And the question everyone asks when I start talking about fossilized amber and all of that, and the question everybody asks is what? Dinosaurs. Where was it? Does this include the dinosaurs? Yes, they were made right before Adam. Okay. Now, I know, I know. I know you have at least one science teacher in here, but I won't hold that against Sonny. Because <laughs> I love her. But here's the deal. Everything that I'm fixing to talk about isn't taught in schools. They don't want you to know this. Okay. Because what has happened in the 1700s, what happened is the enlightened period is what they call it. It's when people started really the scientific method and, you know, doing all of this stuff and all of this stuff. Well, what they did is some enlightened individuals tried to get together and say, well, we know how the earth was created, but can we do, can we explain these things without God? Well, that became kind of a religion to explain things without God. And up until the 1850s, ain't nobody alive thought that the biblical account was anything but truth. It has only been in the last 250 years or so that we have started to think that it was different. All right? Yes, the dinosaurs were made right before man and woman. And coincidentally, it wasn't until the 18, mid-1850s, I think, something like that, that the word dinosaur was even invented. So when people say, well, why, why, why aren't dinosaurs in the, in the Bible? Stupid dinosaurs didn't even, people didn't even know they existed, right? Or today's people, right? But just because the word dinosaur isn't in the Bible, there are two things that are. Number one is the behemoth, okay? The behemoth, and it says it's, it's let me, I didn't write, I didn't put the verse down, but it says something like, its strength is in its loins and the muscles of its belly, it has a, uh, tail like a cedar tree, right? And it lives in the mountains where the wild animals are and the rushing waters of the Jordan flow around it like a rock. And that's what the Bible says about the behemoth, right? There's also another one, Leviathan, 
okay? The Leviathan, and, and, and I think those are uh, all in Ezekiel or Isaiah, something like that. And we'll, we'll talk about those in length at the Bible study. Some interesting things to note. All right, another interesting thing to note, in just the creation period, did you know that before the fall of man, death didn't exist? Because the wages of sin is death. So if there was no sin yet, there is no death, right? So what does that mean to us? That means that carnivores were vegetarians back then. There was no death. They ate plants, okay? They ate plants. It wasn't until after the fall and in Genesis 9 when God gives permissions, permission to eat meat. And people are like, oh, well, what about the sharp things and everything like that? You can't tell me plant eaters. You ever seen a panda? You ever seen a panda's mouth? It's got real sharp teeth. It, it's bamboo. Maybe God made it because they would eat a different type of plant. Maybe T-Rexes. Man, he'd just go over there and just chomp up an elm tree, right? Just argh, eat. I don't know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I believe it. I don't have to understand it to believe it. I don't have to have every little detail, right? No sin, no death. Okay, now we're going to get into the fall. Everyone has heard about the fall of man, but maybe there's some things that you didn't know. And so, most of you are probably going to know all these things. The key element in the fall of man, everybody always focuses on what? The fruit, right? And it wasn't an apple. The Bible nowhere says it was an apple and it wasn't a coconut. <laughs> because. It could have been coconut. It, I, now that I think about that, I bet it was coconut because it killed them. It killed them. It did. It killed all of us. It was coconut. Mitch has solved the problem. That's it. It's done. We, let's go home. The key element in this passage where it talks about the fall of man. The key passage isn't about eating the fruit, it's about disobedience because God gave them everything. They didn't have to work, they didn't have to till, they didn't have to do nothing except walk around naked all day, right? And they didn't care, nobody else cared. Well, there wasn't anybody else around, but it was good, man, you know? I learned two things from that, both of which me and Ty are greatly, greatly thankful, is that if they was walking around naked all the time, it wasn't too cold and it wasn't too hot. <laughs> so anyway, the key passage is not about eating the fruit. The key passage is about the disobedience. God gave them everything and only said, just don't eat anything off that tree. And they did. And they did. The fault, here's something I bet you didn't know. Maybe, maybe not. Everybody, some people ask, you know, what would have happened if Eve wouldn't have eaten the fruit? Where would we be? In the garden. No, not really. We wouldn't still be in the garden. Uh, it wasn't Eve's sin to eat the fruit. Why? God didn't tell her not to eat the fruit. How do I know that? Let me show you. He told 
Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, get your Bibles out, look at it if you don't believe me. That is when he told Adam, this is what you're going to do. You're going to name all these animals. You're going to chill out. You're going to be king of the earth under me. And you can do whatever you want. Just don't eat anything off that tree. He told Adam. That was in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Eve wasn't created until verse 22. He never told Eve not to eat it. He told Adam not to, and Adam was standing there when Eve ate it. It was Adam's sin, not Eve's. Okay, uh, do you know how long they were in the garden before the fall? Well, nobody really knows, okay? But we do know this. We do know that Adam was 130 years old when Cain was born, his firstborn son, 130 years old. And that was after the fall, okay? We know that Cain is born outside of the Garden of Eden. They have been expelled when Cain is born. Now, I can tell you that one guy is kind of the father of tracing everything back because technically the Bible says that there are the, uh, all of this happened about 4004 BC, not millions and trillions of years ago, okay? The guy that traced all of that back and really smart guy, they have postured that they were, by day 10, they had been kicked out by day 10. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's true, but let me give you one compelling evidence that it wasn't very long. Is because in Genesis chapter four, verse one, and then Adam knew his wife and they had a son. Now, you mean to tell me? I'm just going to let y'all connect the dots on that. Okay, if you have any questions about it, come get with me afterwards because it's kind of rated R a little bit. And, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it if you're over 16. <laughs> All right. So around, I, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's around day 10. They weren't in there very long. Nowhere in the Bible. I mean, basically, Eve is made, and then the next thing we kind of know, they've screwed everything up. So where do we go from here? See, years and years ago, but way back in the late 1900s, I was out riding with a friend of mine, Ralph Hager. And we were riding, we were checking windmills, and we rode off from this windmill, and uh, I don't know, we'd probably gone half a mile at a trot, and Ralph said, you know where you're going? I said, yeah, we're going right over here. He goes, are you going straight there? <laughs> I said, well, of course we're going straight there. I can see it. He goes, turn around and look. And I would have bet you $10 million, I can see the next windmill, now it's like, Two miles away, right? I can see it though. It's flat out there. I can see a windmill and I just left one. And if I'm going straight to that windmill, where's the windmill behind me going to be? Right behind me. Ask me where it was. It was way off to the left. It was way off to the left. And he said, you know what? I was raised gathering cattle in a forest. And if you don't know where you've been, you won't get where you're going. He said, more people get lost because they don't realize that they're getting turned around and all they had to do was look behind them and realize, right? Well, see, 
our end time study on the millennial kingdom had a lot to do with the Garden of Eden, whether you believed it or not, or creation process. Let me tell you what I mean. In the garden and in the end, our Lord would be walking and talking with us, right? So we're, God is getting us back to the beginning where he did walk and talk with Adam and Eve. The Bible says that God will be our God in, in the millennial kingdom. Jesus will be here in bodily form, ruling for a thousand years. And after that, God's gonna come down, right? In the Garden of Eden, there was peace. And in the millennial kingdom and beyond, there is going to be peace. Isaiah eleven six. this is talking about the millennial kingdom and beyond. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. Doesn't that sound like the Garden of Eden that we just got through talking about where there was no death and, you know, the, the animals were vegetarians and stuff like that? How do we know that? The Bible told us back then, right? And then in the future, it says nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. In other words, I'm not going to let anything happen to anybody. The uh, Sorry. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Nothing will hurt or destroy, right? So just like there was perfection in the Garden of Eden, that's where God is trying to get us back there right now. Carnivores will eat grass in the future. How do I know that? Isaiah eleven seven. the cow... Uh, the cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, right? That's how we know that this is gonna happen. And that's how we know that it happened back then because God is getting us back to that. Uh, God will be the light of the world, which we already talked about, no need for the sun. Men will live long lives in the millennial kingdom. And if you didn't go to our end times Bible study, the millennial kingdom happens after the tribulation when there will still be people alive on earth and we will come back down here and rule with Jesus as redeemed individuals. Uh, men will live long lives in the millennial kingdom. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Isaiah 65, 20 says this, no longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only those deemed cursed will die that young. Only the dregs of society will die when they're 100 in the millennial kingdom, okay? So we're, and, and we know that Adam lived to be 930 years old. So when we get to the millennial kingdom, lives will be greatly increased. Why? Because Jesus will be here with us, right? And finally, the tree of life makes a comeback. Revelation 22, two says, it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit. The coconuts will not be on this one. Uh, actually, the, the, the coconuts weren't on the tree of life. They were on the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Uh, bearing 12 crops of fruit with fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Wow. Can you see where we were 
and how we long for that, but that's exactly where God is taking us. He has a plan of redemption. And I know what some of you are thinking, okay? I, I know, I don't know about all this. This is pretty far out there. Is it? Is it really? I mean, we know it happened, right? We know something like this happened. And is it easier to believe that a God of love that is light itself that does so much for us, created us in a loving manner, or that a star pooped on a rock and we were born, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, but I don't think that this is too hard to believe, okay? When we start to have faith in God's visible things, like I said, the invisible doesn't seem that difficult. This is what happened in the past. God is working on getting us back to paradise. And here's the good news. You will spend your eternity because see in the garden, God made man to be eternal and he made woman to be eternal. Listen, I've got great news and terrible news. The great news is, is that you can live in paradise again, you can live in paradise again because you're gonna live forever. And God has provided a simple and easy, if you will, way to get to that paradise. And it's only by having faith in Jesus Christ. That's all. But you were made eternal, you will live forever. And if it's not there, you will not like the other place. If that's not your, if paradise isn't your cup of tea, be careful what you ask for. So anyone can go to this new paradise in the future when they realize that Adam and Eve were just sinners in need of a savior, just the same as us. And, could, and God provided one of those two. His name is Jesus and he wants you to get to know him personally. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are and the fact that you created us, loved us, even when we are despicable and, and our, our nature is just to do the wrong thing. But God, we're gonna soar on wings like eagles. We're gonna lift up your name and we're gonna praise you. And by praising you, we are going to have faith in you. And having faith means we believe in what you said. God, if we don't, if we don't just pick and choose what we believe out of the Bible. God, this inspired word of God, it's your words. And we will believe it and we will be better for it. God, lead us and guide us this week and help us to focus all of who we are and what we need to do to be on you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.